Hi, this is Kristen. Welcome to our first of many podcast series centered on your money. Isn't that a scary word right now? Money, finance, cash, wealth, assets, funds, rich, poor, tax diversification, retirement, estate design. Yeah, well, you know, it's scary to me, as I know to most individuals, because the only finance course we are ever taught as a young person is perhaps working for an allowance and saving up to buy something. So how do we go through our entire educational system in a capitalist country without once being introduced to cash management and reserves, let alone investment management from a tactical and strategic allocation? So of course it's gonna be scary. So this podcast series is aimed to take that word scary out of the financial equation. And I am here along with an amazing team of experts at Carlson Financial Services, LLC, located in Raleigh, North Carolina, to empower you on money. And remember, wealth comes in all forms and is different for every person, just like beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So to take us through these first steps is president of Carlson Financial Services, Roy Carlson. Roy has been in the business for over 25 plus years, and he is a well-respected advisor, author, public speaker, husband, father, and golf enthusiast. We'll ask him his par levels later. (laughs) He has developed a very unique and effective process that examines six key areas of financial planning and takes his clients through every step. So through this podcast series, we will be discussing each one of them. And what sets Roy apart from other financial advisors is that he provides a planning framework to make financial decisions consistent with your faith and values. Money equals faith and values? Oh, yes. I was pleasantly surprised to find this out. Roy, thank you for being with our audience today. I'm going to jump right into things and get into our first question. Why is money such a taboo word? Thank you, Kristen. It's my uh, pleasure to be here with you today. Uh, just as a, a backstory, uh, money was a bit of a mystery to me growing up. Um, I was born in 1964, last year of the boomers, so that means my kids call me boomer. Uh, my family shared little about what was really happening financially, uh, except to the extent that I knew where I was going to school was really expensive. Um, I went away to uh, Starkville, Mississippi for college, and uh, what I knew about money was that I had these paper things that when I wrote a number on there, I could deposit that amount in my bank. Uh, But I was completely ignorant about really how money worked in our lives. I got a crash course, an ugly crash course, uh, when I returned to Miami on how important it was to really understand how these things functioned, how important uh, money was just for basic survival. Uh, But then an interesting thing happened in my faith walk. My wife and I noticed um, that everything that we were teaching our clients about money and finances was actually in Scripture. And so we began a journey to try and find out what it really meant and how it applied. We learned that that, uh, each one of us on this planet is a steward of six things. We learned that as Christians uh, that we were a steward of a seventh thing, which is our faith. Um, And we learned that contentment 
was an excellent goal to have as a Christian as we relate to finances. Um, we also learned um, that money um, could be taboo, but um, that money was also incredibly dangerous because it has very godlike qualities. Money can give the illusion of control, the illusion of security, the illusion of power and independence. Um, and so money can very easily become a false idol. Uh, money is also, as we've learned in this latest um, market pullback, um, a very disappointing God. And so even though it makes us feel like we can control and have security, it does not deliver. It's a very unfaithful God. And so money is taboo, and we like to call it the underwear drawer uh, because it's one of the things that we share least with people in our life, even our pastors. Um, and so it's taboo because we don't talk about it. Uh, it's taboo because uh, if we have a lot of it, uh, we either want to show everybody or we want to hide it from everyone. Um, I work with uh, a lot of ministers and pastors, and they find that if people find out that they have wealth, they're less likely to give to them. Um, and I've seen people um, the opposite side of that that feel like that uh, they are successful um, in large part, if not completely, because they have a big bankroll. And so in both of those cases, it's a really dangerous and uncomfortable relationship with money. And so the relationship that we have with people um, is very uh, deep and open because once we've seen their underwear drawer, where they're spending their money, how they're saving their money, how they're giving, it's a reflection of values that cannot be a lie. It really reflects either purposely or by default what really matters to you. And so as someone who believes that all of our decisions are first spiritual and then mechanical, it's very important for healthy Christians um, to spend enough time uh, developing a stewardship theology about their finances so that it doesn't become a God by default, but not so much time on money and their finances that it becomes an idol. And this can be a delicate balance. Uh, we feel blessed that we're in the position when people do share the intimacy of their financial situations, though, and they are laid bare, that we can help them to have a platform so that they can make sure that when they look at their checkbook, it really reflects their values. That when they look at the decisions they make about retirement or redirection or estate design or any of these other financial issues, that it truly represents what matters to them in their life and their walk with Christ. So Roy, when you have a potential client coming to yourself or, or Carlson Financial Services and they have to get in this intimacy of opening up to this process. How do you as a financial advisor take the fear out of this? Wow, that's a great question. Uh, I think there's a few things that we're able to do that are helpful. One of them is for us to let them know that anything that they share uh, that's deeply personal doesn't leave the room. And our reputation for being able to keep matters private is paramount to a positive relationship in the people that we work with. Uh, I think another thing for, uh, that's helpful for people to understand is that after this many years in practice, um, it's highly unlikely that they're going to show me something that I haven't seen. But beyond that, 
I can let people know that it's really unlikely that they're going to show me either the best or the worst situation that we've seen. Um, I also like to joke with people and let them know that the biggest reason that we need to know their information is so we can have it printed in the church bulletin. <laughs> I think when you're talking about financial matters, it helps to have a little bit of a sense of humor. Uh, but the fact is there is a lot of intimacy involved in your financial picture simply because it is so revealing of what really matters to you. And our hope is to provide that platform so when you actually do an inventory of how you're spending, how you're saving, and how and where you're giving, it truly reflects what you would say is important to you. Uh, I think the struggle that most people have is that they actually don't have a platform where they can actually address those those issues. You know, we find, especially here in the South, that people can be fairly reluctant to be transparent about their financial picture. And I, I like to tell people that uh, coming to us is a little bit like coming to your medical professional. And if you're not willing to give your past diagnoses, your past x-rays and medical history to your physician, uh, I don't think you should be very hopeful about what kind of prognosis and diagnosis they give you. And so while we recognize that we need to earn the trust of people for them to be that transparent, we just as much recognize how critical it is to the process that they reach a point where they're comfortable with giving us all the intimate details of their underwear drawer. So if the struggle is part of the process and what matters versus what's necessary in money, define then what is cash flow and what is cash flow management mean to our audience in that kind of context that you're breaking down of what matters and what is necessary? That's a great question. And I think, honestly, it is the one of the six key areas of financial planning that is paid the least attention to. So uh, one of the critical things that we examine as we work with couples is cash flow and cash management. And that's uh, especially important, I think, in the surreal times that we're living in now. So cash flow uh, is critical whether you're employed or you're not employed. It's critical whether you're running a business or you're an employee. It's critical whether you're working or you're retired. And the reason it's so critical is that's what you're using to pay for living. And so having an understanding of how your distributions, how the money is that you're getting is being spent is paramount to alignment in your financial life in any one of those categories. So the first steps in cash flow are actually doing an inventory, whether we're owning a business or whether we're an individual is employed or not employed, it's really looking at uh, the nuts and bolts, how much is coming in and how much is going out. And then examining those things to determine, are they efficient, are they effective, and are they reflective? In other words, when I look at my checkbook, does it represent my values? I had a pastor a number of years ago tell me that if you want to know who someone's God is, all you needed to do is look in their checkbook. He then went on to tell me that his family's God must be Walmart. And while that's a chuckler, the fact is, is that your checkbook can't lie. And so if you want to have a examination of your faith and values relative to your spending, all you really need to do is examine those little things. And I recognize the word budget is not a four-letter word, but it is a scary uh, and daunting word for many. 
Um, but there are simple processes that we and other advisors are able to use to help you in a time-effective way examine how your spending, your giving, and your savings are reflective of your values. I think there's some unique things that are available to us now that should be addressed in terms of cash value and cash management as well. Specifically, the CARE Act, the Paycheck Protection Act. So if you're unemployed, are you using the available resources for making sure that you're maximizing the cash flow that you're entitled to through state and federal government programs? If you are a business owner, have you filed for either the emergency dollars that are available through the Paycheck Protection Program or um, the dollars that are available in the, in the means of forgivable loans? If you're a retired investor today, you might remember that the required minimum distribution age, the age at which you're required to start taking distributions from your IRAs and 401ks was just changed from 70 and a half to 72. Are there opportunities because of the virus that would allow your thinking to be different as to what your required minimum distribution is going to be when you arrive at that date? And are there things that you can do now to effectively manage the amount that is required to be distributed when you, when you get there? And this is not an inclusive list, nor is it designed to be, but it's an important principle to recognize for each demographic, which is the most important decisions that you make from a financial perspective and a spiritual perspective for a financial perspective are based on some really simple things. But for each American and for each Christian, examining how you're treating all of the financial resources in your life is a healthy exercise that reveals your true faith. So, Roy, I guess then you're not letting us off the hook, right? Because <laughs> as a person who is responsible for their own cash flow, cash management, we really have to do the work and make an inventory and write down on paper where our distributive funds are coming from and where our spending is going. And do you feel that a lot of people are not putting in the work and that's where you see the disconnect between being a success at managing your own personal finances and faith comes from? So one of my least favorite responses as a math guy is it depends. Uh, but the truth is that if the goal of building a uh, spiritually and divine-inspired financial plan is contentment in financial resources, it's a requirement that you take an inventory of how you're spending your time, how you're spending your talent, how you're allocating your financial resources. But there's huge freedom in this. And the reason there's freedom is, is that our natural self will operate in the world of ownership. And I'm convinced that ownership is a curse and not a blessing. As Christians, when we recognize God as owner of all, it now shifts our responsibility to stewardship, which just is another word for management. 
But as we're managing financial resources as Christians, it should reflect the owner. It should reflect God if we recognize he's the owner. Good news, guys. That means outcomes are up to our Lord and Savior and not us. And so the number one reason why people do not effectively examine their financial processes is because they just don't know where to start. And so our goal is to provide that platform so that they can evaluate the financial decisions that they're making so they can decide um, if that's consistent with their values. So when you move from a position of ownership to stewardship, contentment becomes that much more easy because the goal is pleasing my God, pleasing my Savior. Now, of course, it's still providing for my family, but the responsibility of outcome switches from how much to how, meaning my goal is to follow Christ with my decisions and allow the outcomes to be his. And so if I simply evaluate how I'm translating my financial decisions into the practical application of my faith, then it will bring contentment. And so although many people are fearful of beginning this process, there can be a great deal of stress removed to recognize that a stewardship process is not based on my success of outcome, but of my success of following God's lead. Roy, I love how you discuss uh, moving from ownership to stewardship and how an individual can really achieve huge freedom in that, uh, making their financial decisions. And I'm looking forward to discussing that more and your six steps uh, in the process, and especially the seventh one based on faith and contentment in our next series. And I wanted to kind of close this with um, a, a big question. Do you feel that faith and values have been lost on our culture today? Or do you kind of see a resurgence in this paradynamic shift that we're going through? I think that's a great question. And the answer is when historically as a people we've had it easy, um, then you don't see renaissance. I think revival starts with fear of the Lord. And many of you have probably heard the saying, there are no atheists in foxholes. And so part of the revival starts and stems from our willingness to really evaluate uh, what we're doing in our life uh, in light of uh, the fact that we now realize things like Um, Our security doesn't lie in our finances. Our security doesn't lie in our health. And so I think many people are are being caused to really assess um, even their finances right now to determine how their priorities are reflected in the decisions that they're making on the assets that God has blessed them to manage. Are they doing that in a way that truly reflects what matters to them? 
Roy, thanks so much for being with us today and our podcast members. If you want to reach Carlson Financial Services, please do so at 919-554-0080 or on their website at www.carlsonfinancialservices.com. You can click on the inquiry link for more information. The company is sending out a brief, understandable, great document that breaks down that 880 plus page CARES Act. So please feel free to request that from the website inquiry email address, or if you wanted to set up a personal appointment with Roy. Investment advisory services offered by duly registered individuals on behalf of Creative One Wealth LLC a registered investment advisor. Creative One Wealth LLC and Carlson Financial Services LLC are unaffiliated entities. Insurance products and services are offered through Carlson Financial Services LLC. The presence of this podcast shall in no way be construed or interpreted as a solicitation to sell or offer to sell investment advisory services to any residents of any state other than the state of North Carolina or where otherwise legally permitted. Carlson Financial Services LLC and Roy Carlson is not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any government agency. This material has been prepared for informational purposes only. It is not intended to provide and should not be relied upon for accounting, legal, tax or investment advice.